Welcome, everyone, to the Esports Entrepreneurship Podcast. This podcast is essentially a mastermind of four guys coming together, talking about their business in the world of esports or around esports. And we're just talking about our businesses and our problems that we're facing. We've been having these masterminds for the past few weeks now, and we've really realized the value that you know each of us have been getting. And we've been having some very interesting conversations that we feel like other aspiring entrepreneurs will really, really benefit from. So because this is our first episode, we're just going to go through and give a quick introduction of each of us. And then once we do that, I'll basically explain how our masterminds typically work, and then we'll just jump right into it. So uh, my name is Uzair, and I'm currently running the business Esports How, which initially early 2021 was an esport consultancy where I worked with businesses that were outside the esport industry, specifically nonprofits um, like sport recreations and institutions like government institutions. And I helped them reposition themselves into the esport industry. And that might either be like a specific service or they're actually looking to turn everything uh, esport wise. And like, because a lot of those companies were struggling with younger youth and trying to yeah, attract to the younger demographic. Beforehand, I was also a student at the first ever post-secondary esports business program. And, and yeah, I've, I've been running tournaments for the past three years. And now I've finally started up my current business where we're actually doing a full reposition to help people land a job in the esports industry. So that is my background. Leon, do you want to share your yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Leon. I have a PhD in technology management with an emphasis in digital communications, and I'm the owner of LS Esports. Um, so the, the goal of my business is to bring a competitive environment to people that want to be able to compete, but often can't because of certain limitations. Um, so people that you know can't be consistent to certain events, people that may not have a team to compete with, people that might have like issues with entry fees. I'm trying to make sure everybody has opportunities to play. Um, and currently, a lot of my um, my endeavors have been into Valorant, although I'm like eventually wanting to expand to do like several tournaments a week over very different games uh, to add a lot of variety to kind of my business and to my stream as well. Chris, would you like to go? Yeah. All right. Um, I am Isaac, a.k.a. Fierce. Um, I... Uh have a good degree in computer science. Um, freshman year, I stumbled upon League of Legends and competitive gaming at the same time and ended up playing for my college uh, League of Legends team. Um, since then, I've played, I've become more of an FPS player. I've played uh, a bunch of different FPSs. I've hit top 100 ranked in, uh, in four different uh, shooters. I've hit top 25 and multiple Kovacs routines. And um, after around the end of college and after college, I considered a route in uh, competitive gaming and content creation and streaming. And I spent some time uh, pursuing that route, um, figured that I do not know if it was for me. I, I saw some limited success, but at the same time, I didn't really see it as necessarily for me. So right now I am uh, pivoting somewhat towards, um, not somewhat, I'm, I'm completely pivoting towards uh, working on content creation YouTube based on, um, I, I guess to simplify it, probably self-improvement. Uh, but I, I've always been interested in the esports sphere and eventually would love to, you know, uh, maybe cross over from the, the self-improvement uh, 
realm into the esports realm. Yeah, as you say that, I'm actually kind of thinking about how that would mix really, really well, just like how uh, the healthy gamer does it, right? Yeah, he, yeah, that would actually work really, really well because then you'll niche down even further for gamers in terms of whatever your self help niche is as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be that would be a good good route to go. We'll see though. We'll see. I'm just uh, just starting now, so yeah, very true. So our fourth member is missing. You'll probably either meet him later in this episode or you'll see him on the second episode. But just to give you guys a bit of a heads up in terms of how this works, typically we would just join in. This is like an hour and a half long where we just each take turns talking about our businesses, the current, the past two weeks and how that went and the current issues we're running into. And we just each provide advice and kind of go from there. So does anyone want to take the lead on this? I mean, I, I can if no one else wants to. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I can go first. I don't care. I've, I've, got a, I've got a few things, some of which are fun, some of which are not as fun. You go ahead and um, start because mine's pretty, mine's pretty short again this week. So you, you go ahead and get started. Um, okay. So let's see. Uh, earlier this week, we, I, I reached out to some of the people that used to compete in my tournaments but haven't been around in a while to get their feedback on things. Um, what else? I gained a lot of social media followers, which we discussed last time about like what kind of social media is good and how to, um, what was the term for that? To actually like bring them back into our community. Uh, right I mean, now. you could call that a funnel, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, that's been going really well as I learned to troll the Diablo community this week. Um, and then my Friday tournament got trolled by the Navy. So we can talk about any of those three that we want. Wait, it, you should say it got trolled by the Navy? It, it, I literally got trolled by the Navy. Or griefed, but... Um, so, so pretty much what happens, um, and just to explain to, like, new people, I, I do several tournaments a week already. Um, like, I do, like, three Valorant tournaments a week. And Friday is my 1v1, which is the first Valorant tournament I did. 1v1s are nice because some people want to play, like, they want to compete... But organizing five adults is so tough sometimes. Anybody who's tried to host like Dungeons and Dragons knows this. Um, so I do these tournaments every Friday. And I've been doing them, I've been doing Valorant for about half a year, but I've been doing the League one for like over a year. Um, and this week, I always check my tournament site to see who else is like throwing tournaments up at what times. That way I can make sure if I'm competing or not. Um, somehow, apparently last minute, the Navy decided it was going to host its own tournament for Valorant on Friday at the exact same time. So I ended up having like very few people show up. Um, and I went to like look at their tournament because you can look and see what teams and who's uh, signed up for them. And I get to see all the players that normally show up for my event went to the Navy's instead because they were offering a pretty good prize for it. Um, and that actually like rolls into one of the problems I have a lot with my uh, my sort of business model is like for tournament organizing, I think a lot of people want to they they want to play in tournaments like they can have fun competing but they really want the prize that way it feels like they're actually competing for something um and i'm, I'm just not at any kind of point yet either through like patreon methods or through like twitch subs or anything that it's reasonable for me to be prizing my events so i've been like reaching out to different like companies and organizations trying to like figure out prizing and ways to like help them with advertising but yeah, without prizes, I just haven't been seeing as many people show up. Um, yeah, and some of the that... feedback I got. From... Sorry. 
don't know. You, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say oh. that it's, it's a, it's, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's going to happen with like the kind of market you have, right. Is probably people playing for small amounts of money. Yeah. Um, I figured out even just giving like small amounts, like even small amounts of money will get a huge returns on the number of people that show up because they just want a prize. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is just a really difficult thing. So I've been like emailing a bunch of companies. I've got one org that actually might be worth talking about too. Um, they've, they've kind of offered two different deals with me, um, for pricing for events, but I'm not sure, especially one of them. I'm not too sure about. Um, where one of them, they're offering me a small amount of money every week. Um, and they pretty much just want me to say like the tournament is sponsored by their org. Um, they want me to do some like art and stuff to like have on my like Twitch page and on my tournament page. That way people can kind of see that stuff. Um, which I don't know why they want me to do art. I can't do art, but if I take the deal, it's part of it. Um, the other part, they're asking me to actually like join their organization. Um, which I've been trying to like look into, but they're like pretty small and they don't even have a huge social media presence. So I'm not too sure about that. Would they pay you to join them? Um, they, they would offer prizes for my tournament, which is the deal they're already offering. Hmm. Um, but I looked at some of the other people they have signed up, um, looking at like social media numbers. And I, I consider myself to be really low, especially with like Twitter. Twitter is awful. Um, but compared to like everyone else, they've already got signed up. I'm already like way above a lot of them. Um, same thing. If you look at like Twitch statistics, I'm way above a lot of them too. Yeah. Um, the question so I would have at that point, because I mean, I've worked with when, when I say worked with, I mean, I've conversed with like a number of different team owners on the grassroots side. And I think a big determining factor in terms of like, if you actually want to take them up on the offer would be two elements. One, who are like the owners because they're going to drive the team like right now if they're small like depend you like i would grind them on what their strategy is what their next step is moving forward how savvy are they like how business savvy are they so like i can give you an example of uh like uh one of the one of the guys that i've worked with they've like they had a lot of passion but they really lacks a strategy in terms of how to move forward and because of that, they just really crippled in terms of growth. Like they're, And a lot of these teams are like this, where they're just not thinking about what their next step is. So I would first determine, do they actually have a plan? Is there actually some ROI that, like, because they're small now, is there any growth that they can see in terms of the future and how that might be, you know, like, like benefit you in the long run? And then the second thing would be, how could you make this a relationship that you're both mutually benefiting from, right? So let's say they are actually really savvy and they know what they're doing and you can see like good growth. How can you become an asset that's so valuable that once they do grow, they're not going to discard you, right? Like, can you run tournaments for them and make some sort of deal there? But that again comes back to if they're going to grow and be valuable, does that make sense? Because this could be a good mutual partnership, but it all depends on who they are and what they're going to do. Yeah, and that, that's something that concerned me is they've mentioned, you know, we would like to be able to run our own events and we could have you on as a caster for it. Um, which puts me like the wrong way um one of the issues i've really had with the conversation is i felt like i've had to like drag them to get any like very specific information from them oh, yeah, trying to get any kind time. of like yeah trying to get number data things like even trying to figure out oh, i'm like well who do you already have signed up for this that that took so much communication and back and forth like oh we forgot to send it and, and maybe they legitimately did forget but it's it's not a good sign 
yeah. the, the one specific I'm trying to really get them on is they, they claim they've already got some sponsors. Um, regarding they threw out like Red Bull and then they said they got a few hardware sponsors, which Red Bull is a pretty like common for the esports industry. Um, but yeah, I'm having really hard time getting any specifics out of them for that, which makes me really concerned. If you can't get specifics, I wouldn't trust that information. You can't like, like when when people provide fluff information, it's very easy to inflate what it actually is, right? So I like like if they said Red Bull when I ran my hackathon, or at least when I was running a hackathon like four years ago, Red Bull technically was a sponsor as well, but they gave us like a bunch. They were gonna give us a bunch of uh, drinks. And it was just going to be like, like it basically cost them nothing and they didn't affiliate at all. But technically they were a sponsor, right? So that's how you can inflate it. The same way people inflate stuff on their resume. So if you can't get specifics, then I would just assume it as null. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, it's understandable if, a, you know, an org isn't giving some like specifics on like um, sponsors or um, some levels of money or whatever, if they're like a tier one org and they have a reason for that information to be private. And frankly, by then, most of the information you're wanting to know is public, right? Yeah. Um, but so I would, I would actually push a, back on that. If that's the case, get them to sign an NDA and then there's no problem with it. No, that's, that's true as well. I'm just saying like th there's a way in which this isn't as big a concern, but obviously if it's a smaller org, then yeah. Because what you're looking for in a small org is, hey, we the the goal of small orgs should be right, and the goal of players or content creators or what have you, tournament organizers joining, is, you know, org wants to benefit you, and org wants to benefit from itself, and the owners of that org should be very open and say, hey, here's how we benefit, right? We get our name in front of your viewers, we get, um, you know, we can list our sponsors on your videos, blah blah blah. And right now we can only pay you X and X is a small number, but here's what, how we're looking to grow. Right. And that's, you know, it should be a very open form of like, Hey, we realize we're small, but this is what we're doing to, to grow and to benefit. Right. And so anyways, I, I think you're probably making a good choice leaning away from it since they're not being open. I'm just like saying for, for anyone out there, if you're a small org, you should be very open with what your goals are and what you're trying to do and how you're planning to do it and how you're going to benefit the player and how the player is going to benefit you or not player, you know, whoever's joining your org in whatever capacity. Yeah. I think it's really, it's really good to have that, like that kind of strategy laid out. Um, and I think it's, especially it's easier for like live stuff. Like if you can ask someone a basic question about their, their company, their organization, whatever they're working on, and they like fumble and can't give you an answer that looks really bad. And even in emails, um, you know, after after so long, it's you know I haven't gotten this from you yet, and it worries me. So I may take the I might take them on as a sponsor, which the deal was supposed to be for like a few weeks, um, just to kind of get prize, and that lets me get numbers and see what I'll actually get with that certain amount of prize money for events. But as far as actually signing on and joining the org, um, at this point in time, I'm not so sure. That would also come into a lot of issues with some of the other like companies I've been talking to about sponsors, because once I'm part of an org, that complicates things, so I have to get them involved as well. I prefer having kind of like all more of that power to myself. I'm very curious. You don't have to say it here. I mean, you don't have to do anything, but if you wanted to, you could deem it to me, because I'm, I'm very curious if I know this org or not. Because I tend to keep uh, track of a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, they're they are they're not by any means like a big org. If they were, I would have just signed on and not even like brought it up. But 
yeah, they, that's part of the problem is they're, you know, they've already got sponsors, but they don't really have any social media for you to look at. They've got players signed, but none of them are like really that big. I don't know how they can have such a small social media following and, and actually land sponsors is my thing. I, I don't that, that and that's the thing that bothers me the most. Because yeah. I've been like, I, I guess I've personally been going through this. Like I, I did send a message to Red Bull, not that I expected an actual response to them. But well, most of the companies will not send you back. I'm on like my seventh or eighth email chain to some of them, which by this point, they're probably not going to respond. But hey, it's it's completely worth what what you do show there is is willingness to actually, you know, effectively cold call and reach out. And a lot of people won't do that, right? A lot of people are like, oh, they're, I, they're just going to deny me. They're just going to deny me. They're just going to say no. Or the fact that you're reaching out and that that kind of persistence will very much reward you in the long term. Yeah, and we we've talked about that like previously too. Um, one company, which again I'm avoiding names just because nothing's perfectly worked out yet. It was I think it was the fourth like cold call email to them. They actually responded, and then we set up an appointment to talk to each other about stuff. Which even if even if at the end you're like okay, well I guess this isn't going to work out. Like getting that far is good. Like getting the experience from it is good. Yeah, I think 100%. that's all worthwhile. I've never thought about this, uh, but now that you bring it up, because it makes a lot of sense, you have a lot of value to provide to an esports team. Have you considered actually actively hunting out smaller teams that are growing or that have some competency that you can actually mutually benefit from? Because that might be a really good partnership. Um, maybe. So con contact them and like, what way are you thinking about? So like, let's say. So let's say you reached out to, I'm just going to throw a random name, Bubblegum Esports, right? And Bubblegum Esports okay. is like, they have, you know, a few thousand followers on social media, but their team is like ambitious. And like, you can tell by their like stuff that they're promoting that they're like, they're doing a lot of stuff that they're re relatively new and they have a discord server with, a, you know, a few hundred people and they seem to have an active community. That could be a great gateway to be like, Hey, you know, you guys have this community. I'm running these tournaments. Do you can do you want to come into a partnership? I'd be affiliated under your banner, and you know I'll run tournaments with you guys. Either either you guys fund me, or we have some sort of like mutual splitting partnership of some sort, where you can benefit off of their player base if they have any sponsors, and you can obviously have a a rev split there. But then the idea would be you would grow with the with them as they grow by providing them value, and then they'll be providing you that value as well. And then that'll also give you an umbrella if they have some credibility and some previous sponsors or just any um, you know number base that you can benefit off of their numbers as well. So let's say you did want to get a sponsor for some sort. Now they're promoting it on their social media as well on their Discord, and that'll help you know further you along on a number of different fronts. So it might be worth considering. Because what you do is very, very different from a lot of other content creators in the sense that you're running tournaments and teams want tournaments being run. I, I can second that in that. Um, so I was a part of this uh, tiny little, uh, similar to what you were uh, talking about, uh, Leon, as part of this tiny little org as a startup. The only reason I was a part of it is because they would give me like free uh, video editors and I knew the guys. So to me, I was like, eh, well, I don't see any negatives here. I don't like have to do anything for them. Um, you know, they just wanted me to continue doing what I was doing. Uh, so uh, anyways, I was a part of them and I, um, I did one, one Valorant tourney they needed a commentator for. 
And I commented on that tourney. Um, and the the other the the other commentator supposed to join me skipped out, so I was the only one. And it was uh, it was actually quite tough to speak like straight for six hours without <laughs> without anyone else while like trying to shout cast. It was a full tournament format. We had like twenty teams signed up. Um, it was like yeah, I think it was during the Valorant beta actually, um, and. It was cool. It was a cool experience. It's probably the highest viewership I ever got natively on my Twitch. Um, and uh, I'd never commentated before, but everybody thought I did well. Uh, anyways, the point is not the point of the story is not for me to like be like, oh, I did this thing. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's um, after that, I've probably been asked to commentate. And keep in mind, that was the first time I had ever done it. Uh, I've probably been asked to commentate by the same org after I left, probably four or five times by two different small orgs uh, once or twice. Um, and so, and these were small orgs, like um, the ones that asked me once or twice were small orgs, but they actually had like a couple sponsors, right? They actually had teams that competed in a couple small things. They still, you know, depending on what tier you think of esports orgs, which is a whole other conversation there, you know, tier three, tier four orgs, right? But they actually had some some money and stuff, which was interesting. I didn't really want to do it again, honestly. Uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. But having been, I used to be a part of before before I kind of cleaned out my Discord. I was a part of about fifty or sixty different orgs Discords, and oh, I just kept tabs on all of them. Yeah, I had to get rid of it after a while because the incessant pings were too much for me. But um, during that time, I had kind of a thumb on what was happening in the community of like a lot of orgs across, you know, Korea, Japan, uh, Oceania region, Europe, and NA. And um, one thing I noticed is a lot of them started. And then once some started, a lot started uh, doing a lot of community events and community nights and a fair amount of those involved um, tourneys. Um, where it was community-based attorneys, right? So for instance, Alliance just did attorney just this last week where they had their Apex team um, drop in and they were able to get access to a private lobby. And they had teams of their community sign up and they all, you know, dropped in. They were able to to do that. But having someone who could, you know, commentate over that, um, people, you know, someone who could organize and run that and run that for the various different esports the org is a part of. It's clearly something that helps build community, right? It helps build a very much stronger community because people can feel very engaged. So, um, yeah, just from my own experiences and from seeing others, I think that's a real thing that orgs do benefit from, even if they're not like, well, we can't like sign you as a full time person. We'll like, you know, we'll pay, we'll fund you know, the tournaments themselves and we'll, you know, pay you, you know, some probably small amount of money. But the only difference is you still get to do what you like. Um, you just have to do it under their name and you get paid for it, which to me, I mean, unless, of course, you know, various circumstances, the name of the org isn't, you know, a good name to be under, blah, 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 drama, et cetera. Assuming it's all under, you know, good circumstance growing org you like. I don't really see much of a problem there. If I was in your shoes and I was given that opportunity, that sounds like a good idea. So there's my there's my two cents. It might even be worth 
because I'm I'm backtracking on what I was saying earlier in terms of like sticking with an organization that's growing. It might also be worth considering like if you made it like a temporary deal and then you jumped organizations. And as long as your company name was involved in it, or if they were like, let's say for the tournaments. I, yeah, I guess for the tournaments to be run, they have to be done through your battle fight or something in the way that you can still benefit the organization, but then you're getting a little bit of traction and then you can bring players with you as you obviously grow if they really enjoyed what you're doing and your personality because they're all coming to your stream as well. So that's also a consideration to be made. So either one sticking to an organization long term or maybe potentially jumping between organization, maybe doing like a month series under their name, under their, their banner. And there might be some obviously some money being exchanged or maybe at the start as you start off, just be like, this is, you know, purely free, you know, unless we have a sponsor or you're just going to be, you know, straight out. So that's worth considering as well. Yeah. One thing um, I was going to ask you, if I, I can't tell if I interrupted you or if it was Discord like just now. Um, I was wondering if you've considered doing um, not uh, like full uh, Apex tourneys, but if you've considered doing 1v1 tourneys in Apex. So, oh, okay. So this this gets into a small thing. The, the answer, have I considered, is yes. Would I like to? Actually, yes. But we know from previous communications that Apex is a very difficult game to get into. Um, which, you know, we might know a guy that could actually help me out with that. But <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. the, the, re the reason I say that is, like, it might be difficult to get into for private servers, but for basically, not basically, I've only ever seen 1v1 tourneys do this. They just go into the... Um, the, every single 1v1 tourney I've seen in the game, which I've seen many, they go into the the practice, the training area, and there's a little area there that is basically built to 1v1 in. And that is how every single one v, like 1v1 tourney I've seen is run in Apex. You don't need actual custom lobbies because you can get up to three players in your squad, right? So you're the spectator. Um, and then you get two indiv like individuals as your other squad members and you go into training lobby and then from there. That's where you build it. So I'm not sure if you if you knew that or not, but you wouldn't need it. I did not. Front. Yeah, that's the reason I said not full tourneys because that's a lot more complex. But 1v1s be fairly easy. I've hosted my own like not tourneys, but like I got like eight friends together and made like a little fun bracket. We played each other in that and had someone like commentating for just fun over it. But that, that's a definitely an idea, especially with how big Apex has gotten. Yeah, one one of the best things I actually did for my brand was uh, starting the the Valorant tournaments because I originally started with a league, which I love league, um, but Valorant just seems so much more hype for it. I've had so many more people join and consistently join. Um, one of the problems I've actually had recently is with school starting, my participation in some of my events has gone down. But League of Legends has almost died. Um, I might actually just have to end the the league series because I'm not getting enough participation in that right now. But Valorant at least is still somewhat going, as long as the Navy doesn't grief me again. Well, I mean, if, if like, assuming that happens, uh, a game that has seen, you know, huge growth and, like, pretty consistent numbers the past six months has been Apex, right? Actually, not even six mm -hmm. months, nearly a year now. Um, and, like, that, I've seen, you know, there's tiny communities, like, attorneys for that that have, like, custom always that fill up quick, right? Because a lot of people just love watching... LGS and pro play, but it's got a pretty high barrier of entry, right? It's pretty difficult. 
to just like, you know, you anyone can sign up for quals, but they won't make it very far. So uh, I've seen community 1v1 attorneys and, and normal community attorneys like the ones that um, Pound are running get like completely filled up with players. So it's something that you, I would bet you would have something similar to Valorant where there's, you know, a lot of hype for it and a lot of new players. Yeah, I think Apex would be a really good game. Um, there's actually a lot of games I would like to add, but for various reasons I can't. Um, like certain games, like they can, I would say they're like very competitive or popular, but just they don't have access to things like custom game lobbies or spectator features, and that holds them back. And it's amazing to me that like modern games still are missing like basic features like that. Even Valorant, the the, the party system is extremely limited. There's not a whole lot you can kind of yeah, do with it, and it causes problems sometimes. One thing, I mean, I'm not the uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the game, but it does have all the tools you're looking for and talking about. It doesn't have the hype it used to, but Fortnite one v ones, they have all the tools you would need for that for spectating that, and you wouldn't need you know private. Oh, I mean, you do get custom. You can create custom maps whenever you want, and that would be um, that could be something you do. The classic Fortnite build battles. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I know a lot of people still do those. Yeah, Fortnite 1v1s could work, or even um, like a free-for-all game could kind of work as well. You, I think for free-for-alls, you really need to have a higher population for it. Because 1v1s, you can only have a few people, but you could do like best-of-threes and stuff to keep it running. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. What, what other ones are you like thinking of trying out? What other games? The, or so the game I would, So the game I've been like requested to run the most is actually Teamfight Tactics. Um, oh, but again, Teamfight Tactics does not have custom lobbies, um, which means you can't actually make a game that doesn't have random people in it. Um, there's no spectator mode for the game still. When you see things like Twitch Rivals and stuff where they're spectating, they have those streamers like running it, and then they're just streaming off their streams. And this was Riot Games. Riot Games is not a small company by any means, but Riot Games has the like bare minimum support for custom games. Small indie company. <laughs> I, I i'm i think i'll make one correction i might be wrong about this i haven't seen the league client in some time but i'm pretty sure you can run a game without random people it's just the party has to be filled with the eight or nine players that are needed for tft so you can't spectate it but the party as long as you fill it with your own people uh then it, it'll, it'll run as a, yeah. as a custom yeah um, and that, that runs into like awkward things for tournaments though, because uh, I think lobbies are eight people in TFT. So what happens if I have nine show up, or what if I have like twelve? So I could have like a lobby and a half, and yeah. I could just say, well, the this half a lobby will play a game with randoms, and then I still record like their places or something. Uh, that's a good point. Because that's actually. probably yeah, the, it, there isn't a great system uh, just because of the way TFT is organized as a game. Which, I mean, Riot still, they're going to keep running, um, like, they're going to have their TFT championship here in a few weeks. It's going to be huge. They're going to announce the new series, and it's going to keep growing. But, yeah. It's like, even, like, the lack of, like, spectator features just bewilders me that companies don't even do that for competitive games. Have you seen how other TFT tournaments are running their events? Because I'm sure there's a workaround. Uh, so the, the workaround is to record off their records. So you, like, if they're streaming, you just gather their stream data and then stream it on your own. You could do, um, like, Discord streaming. Mm -hmm. yeah, Discord streaming is not great, but you can. 
I was referring specifically to the the formatting, right? So like if you had a, a weird number of players, how that would work like a tournament bracket styling. So largely there aren't TFT tournaments by amateurs. Um you see like the the Twitch rivals, you see like the the pro competitive play, like stuff actually like offered by Riot. But there's not a whole lot of um like small people doing it, which is probably part of the reason it's been like requested. That sounds um, like a good market to get into. Yeah, and there's yeah, um, it would be a little bit messy to set up, but it's it's very possible. Um, one of the reasons I haven't quite done it is I want to be able to grow, uh, like the esports side of my business with like casting and stuff on my Twitch channel, and there just really isn't a way to do both, so it, it's extremely restrictive. And I actually rely on my Twitch channel a lot as a like live organizational tool to help people when they misunderstand rules or we're getting stuff set up. I feel like I feel like if you ask people to screen or share their screen on this, oh wait, then you have the card issue. Oh yeah, okay. But I mean, I guess card issue because or I guess if you have a delay, I'm I'm just thinking if someone shared their screen, you see you see their hands, so like that could be an issue. But assuming that you have a delay that's long enough, it won't be. So Teamfight Tactics actually doesn't do that. With Teamfight Tactics, if you go to another player's board, you can see everything. It doesn't actually hide any information like a card game does. Which it would okay. be the issue with like Legends of Runeterra, for instance. Got it. Yeah, I mean I, I in my opinion it sounds super possible. I don't know what your next move is. It might like it it sounds like maybe looking at the teams might make sense uh, as far as looking for growth. If not though, if you're looking to get a new game, team fight tactics, you might need to be a little innovative. But like that's the entire like the first Early bird gets the worm, right? It's not going to be the easiest to dig the worm out, but like as long as you do a bit of digging, I think there's something to be done here. Yeah, and that's I I need to figure out what direction to like focus my efforts because a lot of my focus has been on like like grow, trying to grow like social media and get a community and stuff through that, and then translating it, um, which is not bad by any means to do. I should post on Twitter regularly, but. I, I'm not seeing the kind of returns I like from that, so I need to figure out other ways. How's the outreach? Has that been working out for you? Not a well, wait. Outreach to who? Sorry. Uh, the re returning players. Uh, a lot of the returning players, I actually did get communications back from. Um, a lot of them, they either don't show up to the tournament anymore because of lack of prizing, or just because their like school started and they're kind of busy with that. Which I, I can't ask them to be like, well, you could still come play and go to school at the same time. Like, I'm not going to do that to them. I mean, to be um, fair, they probably could, but I mean, they, they, they probably <laughs> could, but, <laughs> but I don't I don't want to be that guy. Um, yeah, no, you and I actually was. Them. Yeah, I, I was actually wondering because, um, like I said, League of Legends hasn't been doing very well, but if I keep up for a few more weeks, once the like the tension of school starting dies down, I might see some of them back. Maybe I don't know. There's a, a lot of what I end up doing feels like so much trial and error, though. That's um, business one one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the least, if I'm not like throwing money at people and like hemorrhaging it, it doesn't matter too much, right? It's when you actually get money involved that you have to be a little bit more careful with your trial and error. Yeah. Like the the one thing I've I've kind of noticed with grassroots. And this is something I've been writing in my recent blogs, or at least the recent 
the last like the more newer blog posts i haven't wrote some in some time now but like basically being creative in terms of the way you circumvent some of the grassroots side of the industry right like in terms of how you get it how you can be attracted to teams how you can even get you know high picked up by a you know esport company to be hired that's something i was even writing in my book re- very recently like people there's a lot of very creative ways you can think about to circumvent and the people that are being creative end up winning you know winning the bird and the nice thing about esports is because there's so many of these smaller grassroots teams and communities there there's definitely something to be gained there if not there then maybe other platforms like the, the social media side it's competitive and if you're seeing success there then that's that's good to hear but it's definitely worth also thinking about these smaller short-term uh like low risk low reward sort of ordeals or like uh joining something so yeah, social media, at least on TikTok, social media growth has actually been really good. It turns out if you pe- like make people mad, they want to follow your social media. So <laughs> Classic. We, yeah, it was um, the Diablo 2 remaster came out this week. Um, I can't remember the, the correct title for it, but it's a Diablo 2 remaster. Um, so I posted something on there talking about, because a lot of streamers are playing it for the first time, and they're like, why, why is this game so popular? Well, it's an old game, and they don't have the nostalgia of it. So I just posted something on TikTok. It was like, streamers aren't enjoying this game. They're calling it trash. That's because the game has always been trash. <laughs> so that that was step one, which gets a lot of people in my like comments saying, you know, oh, you're garbage or this game, you're mad because this game was before you, which first of all, it wasn't. I don't know why people don't like figure out my age. But the second one, to further it, I made a, another video talking about why Diablo 3 is better than Diablo 2. And I gave them three different reasons why. It was something. It was something like Diablo Three has a, a a darker atmosphere, more gameplay variety, and better itemization. I think. Which again, people did not like my comments for that because I said it was better. And I I told them at the beginning of the video tomorrow I'll do a piece on what I think Diablo Two did better. Well, what three things do you think I said Diablo Two did better? Darker atmosphere, gameplay variety, itemization again. I'm giving them the exact same reasons for it. And again, they're upset and commenting, but I'm getting a lot of new people onto my channel for it. I'm still getting follows. And I even put in the first one, I was being sarcastic, but people didn't read my description. They still got mad at me. They have free engagement, man. Yeah, that that's the, I, I figured out like a small trick for engagement and it works. Turns out the, there's the a lot of problem, those. <laughs> yeah, the, um, yeah, the next problem is just how do I how do I bring those people into like, even getting them to Twitter, to remember my Twitter numbers would be huge because mm. companies, they, they look at Twitter as your first social media. Um, but especially if I could get them to like join tournaments or join my stream, that would be even better. Yeah, conversion's the issue on TikTok, right? It might be word earlier. It might be worth even considering paid advertising once you have some sort of name recognition. Um, but besides that, yeah, conversion has always been the issue with TikTok. Have you tried uh, YouTube Shorts? Yes. Um, I ha- I don't look at my YouTube Shorts like very often, though. I forget to check on them. I had one from a Valorant tournament that did extremely well, but otherwise, most of them just don't get any views at all. I would try throwing this like the similar stuff where you're like getting people's opinions, getting people engaged. Um, I'd try those on YouTube Shorts. Uh, mm-hmm. YouTube prioritizes um a lot of um 
they prioritize traffic to channels that post shorts because they're trying to get as many creators and viewers on shorts as possible. Um, to compete they're, with yeah, they're trying to compete with TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. That and they have a $100 million pool that they're spreading out to the highest viewed people each like day. So, oh, well, yeah, the problem with like looking at my shorts, most of my shorts don't like they might dip into like you know, 20 viewers, 30. And then I have a few here that are like a thousand views and I, they don't seem like they're like exceptional videos. It's just sometimes you get a video that pops off unexpectedly and then others it's like, I put like 10 hours into editing this video. Why don't you like it? <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of my videos I've actually stopped doing a bunch of the heavy editing for. It doesn't seem like like making them look shinier or prettier really gets that much more engagement. It's just like it's much more better for me to like do something easier. That way I can be more consistent with it. Consistency I would agree. Important. I would agree with that. Easier is better. Repeatable is better. But yeah, that sounds good on your end, unless you have anything else. Nope, I think we hit all three. I ended up eating a lot of our time this week. Sorry. That's okay. But, At least for me, I, I really don't have a ton. I'll have a whole lot more next one, though. I can guarantee that. Well, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and give us what you got, then? Okay. So, um, really not a ton since last time, I guess, uh, since this is the first one we're recording. I'll give some more context to the people who haven't heard. Uh, but basically, the idea is, beyond my introduction, um, I'm I'm utilizing YouTube as a way to keep me. I'm kind of using YouTube as an accountability tool for myself. I've always wanted to do a lot of self-improvement. I've started on a lot of self-improvement, but I've not built the habits. And the self-improvement isn't just your generic um, you know, eating better and being more, you know, fit and exercising more. Like those are just like the classic. That's what people think when they think self-improvement. To me, I see it as a very broad thing. There's a whole lot of different ways, a whole lot of different like things you can do, right? There's a best way in tons of studies and tons of information about um, an example I've already studied is sleep, right? And to me, a lot of people don't know that, right? A lot of people just kind of do one thing their whole lives. And then during, you know, some people in some parts of their lives, so why can't I fall asleep well, right? And having a place where, you know, you could count on one source to be like, okay, here's a bunch of studies. I've done everything and I've optimized as best I can sleep, right? And I've done that. And I do that for other things, right? Um, so obviously, you know, nutrition and, and health in general is a huge part of it. But to me, I see, that, I see I'm very competitive. So I see ways that there's got to be ways to get good or, or, you know, as good as possible um, just in your day-to-day -day life with just about everything that you do. And to me, um, the only way you can really consistently do that is through habits. And habits are like the hardest, the hardest thing, right? Because any of us can get motivation. Um, you know, everybody's been motivated from time to time, but it's hard to have that stick. So to me, I want to build uh, the best system I can to be able to build those habits, right? And so I was doing some of this before this last summer, actually. Um, but I wasn't recording it right. And it became increasingly more, more and more difficult to do the things because it, you know, I tend to be like a pretty self-motivated and self-driven person, but it can be so easy to just be like, Oh, not today. 
oh, I'm, oh, I'm doing this, you know, instead today. And, um, in the past, a long time ago, actually, I've had in real life accountability partners. Um, but those are people and you can't necessarily count on one person all the time. Cause sometimes, you know, even, you know, when you're helping them be accountable, they just don't want to, and then you can't count on that person. Right. Um, so to me, I realized, well, I, I'm very competitive. I've always been, you know, the, the A student. I've always been like kind of just good at things I do. Or if I'm not, I become good at it. You know, I find a way um, or I don't do it. <laughs> but um, to me, I was like, well, the one thing I hate more than disappointing myself is disappointing other people. And I was like, yeah, that's the reason accountability works, right? That's how you can, one of the facets of building habits. I was like, well, I want to make videos on something new. It's kind of wanting to switch. Wait, having an audience, no matter how small or how big, they can help me, you know, stay accountable. Not like directly each person, but more like, oh, I need to upload weekly, you know, because people are counting on that I upload weekly. My audience in general is counting on that. Um, so I want to be the person who, you know, sticks to that. And, you know, if I've dedicated to uploading weekly, I upload weekly. If I've dedicated to uploading twice a week, twice a week, et cetera, and being engaging on all social media platforms. So to me, I get to make videos which is, and, and like work on and learn as much as I can about marketing and social media on the various platforms, which has always fascinated me. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, second thing is I get to be, um, you know, I get, a good excuse to, you know, really learn and dive deep into all these different things I want to improve on. And third, I get to, you know, develop, I, I get to, you know, build those into habits and have accountability by tying those two together. And fourth, in the long run, I could maybe turn this into something that is a business, something I could make a living from in the long run. So to me, I guess you could say it's about four birds with one stone. And so that is basically what I'm transitioning into doing. Uh, and basically that's the background. I talked a lot about that the last time we met. Um, but um, just to update everyone as to what my goal is. And now, now basically I have, I've created all the socials. I think I said that last time I've got, I ordered a lot of the stuff I was needing and that stuff got here yesterday, day before yesterday. And so this coming week, starting Monday, um, I will be working on uh, doing the social media, writing the script, you know, doing the research, shooting, editing, uploading a video. And Monday next week, I plan to release the videos on Monday because I work four tens Monday through Thursday. So I want Friday to be the day I shoot and do the primary editing. And then across like the, the time I have on Saturday and Sunday, I want to kind of finish it up um you know make it all, all nice and nice and clean finish up what i need to do prepare social media posts etc and then actually put it out and i think i think monday's a pretty good day for me to post um at least to start out so that is the goal so one week from tomorrow is when i will be making my first post uh, unless all the stuff i got doesn't work which i haven't tested yet i'm testing that later today oh, no. so I mean, I'm going to assume it's brand new, but if it doesn't, then uh, might be might be delaying a little bit. I have to get some new stuff, but I, I doubt that'll happen. So to me, I think, oh, one other thing. So this isn't directly regarding me, but this is regarding esports. 
um, which is I found out something I have been two things, two major things I've been calling for regarding Overwatch are confirmed in Overwatch 2. I've been saying for about three or four years now that I think Overwatch should be 5v5 instead of 6v6. And Overwatch 2 was confirmed to be 5v5 instead of 6v6, which is a lot cleaner for both viewer perspectives. Um, You know, orgs, it's cheaper for orgs. They don't have to sign one more player, etc. And another thing they confirmed is was confirmed by multiple pro players who played in the show match they had during the Overwatch League finals. Um, He said that um, Overwatch 2 is much more focused on individual play and more about um, gunplay than it is gunplay and individual ability play than it is about uh, team abilities, which is another thing I've been calling for. I've been saying for a long time that Overwatch 2 was very much based around ultimate economy. It was just just shoot at the enemy team for two minutes doing nothing and then wait until everybody's ultimates and then throw them all at the same time. And reviewer perspective is just a gigantic mess. Um, and oh, nothing happened. Oh, one team won, the other team won. Instead of it being, you know, individual players being able to show you their skill, which you can very much see in games like Valorant and games like Apex and games like CSGO uh, or in games like League of Legends. Basically, basically every, I don't know a single other game, even ability-based ones that are purely based around what ultimates one team has uh, spent time, you know, two or three minutes recharging. So the fact that they're going away from that pretty heavily I'm very excited for. I think that like that's very good for Overwatch in the long run. So I've got two questions. First, in terms of Overwatch, I am curious, is there any because I mean it makes sense just generally speaking why they would reduce the players from 6 to 5, but is there any like very evident, very strong reasons why they would make that shift or is it purely because of like people wanting that shift. And then the second question is more of the elephant in the room. Uh, you said you're going to make a video in, I believe it was the next two weeks. So what is that video going to be? Um, okay, so the, I'll answer the Overwatch question first because that's what I was just talking about. I don't know exactly. I'm going to guess because it matches other... It, it does have quite a few things, right? Um, quite a few positive things. Overwatch over the past um year or so still a very big game um similar to fortnite i would say in the past like six months where it's not big news anymore but people still play it a lot of people still play it not obviously as big as fortnite but it's still a very played game but people it's a very forgotten about people don't really talk about overwatch that much anymore and overwatch was big big news the biggest thing in 2016 2017 um to be akin to valorant being like just an afterthought you know four years from now um uh and so what they want to do is they want a few things right so i already mentioned from a viewer perspective it's just simply easier there's less moving pieces and less um that uh perspectives have to you know you have to watch when in terms of i butchered all that perspectives to watch in terms of esports viewership um you just have to see less which is easier to keep track of from a viewer's perspective i've heard many people say they play overwatch and they would like to watch pro overwatch, but they just say it's confusing and they're the ones who play the game. Um, so there's one, uh, the more obvious one, not in the esport realm, just in terms of player realm, it takes less time, uh, to queue 
um, in you know your skill based matchmaking or in your rank if there are less players that they have to gather for that queue. Um, especially especially when tank isn't a very common like popular role. Exactly when when it, they remove one of the more popular roles uh, or the more the more unpopular roles, your queue timers go down drastically. So from both a viewer and from a uh, player base perspective, a wait time perspective, right? Right now, if you want to queue into a game, not even a ranked game, just an unrated game as a DPS, you're going to be waiting somewhere in the realm of 10 minutes. That is crazy. That is crazy. No other game. I could load into, uh, I could load into a four or five-year-old battlefield and have much faster queue times than that. Um, and that's a game where, sure, they're the same age as Overwatch, but it's a game that, you know, there's a new one every year, similar to CODs, where, you know, the older it gets, the more it's forgotten about. Overwatch was supposed to be more of a League of Legends or a Valorant, where it's just the same name and it keeps patching and going. So the fact that it was that low is just horrendous. So I think that's why it is. Anyways, second question, which is what is my video going to be? So I've been thinking a fair amount the past uh, day or two about how I'm going to format the videos. I haven't landed on an exact solid thing, but my current theory in my head, because I haven't written a script or anything, or um, is I'm probably going to do something where I talk about, I have one actionable item, or, each video, I'll probably talk about what I did the past week um, and then what I'm going to do the coming week. And what in the past week, it's not just the whole time I'm talking about what I did. It's more like, hey, this last week I researched blank, right? Um, we'll say um, eyesight, uh, how to take care of your eyes, right? This last week, I did a bunch of research on that. And blah, 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 show different, you know, graphs, studies, research, break it down, steps you should take, what you should eat, blah, 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 right? The research side of things. And then I say, this coming week, I'm going to be um, actually executing. I'm going to, you know, I don't know, eat carrots, right? And I'm going to... Um, and I'm going to use blue light filters or not have blue light coming in after this time before I go to bed um, or whatever, you know, whatever various things I learned. Basically, I have the research I talked about in one week and in the execution. Um, and then what I might do, what I, what I think I'm, I will probably do is during the week I'm executing on the one thing, right, where I'm doing the first executions on it, so to speak, um, I'm researching the next thing, right? So I'm, I'm executing on one and then the following week I can say, all right, so this past week I, you know, I did this and this and this that I had talked about for doing for my eyes um, or whatever. And, you know, this, this worked, right? Or, you know, my eyes ached less or whatever. Again, it's just a random example. Um, and then I also spent my time uh, researching this and there you go. The cycle continues, right? So during each week, I'm both researching something new and executing on something I've already learned. And the goal is for most of those things, you know, for some of these those things, it's pretty simple, right? I, I can imagine for 
you know, something as simple as taking care of your eyes. It might be as I just don't do the, the old, one of the few, you know, there might be only one or two things I have to put into practice. Right. And I'm just like, well, I don't allow blue light or I have blue light filters or whatever it is before this time. Um, and I make sure I get enough vitamin, whatever. And then those are something I execute on. I talk about, but after that, those things need to go into the realm of doing them consistently. And it can be easy for something like that. It's just something, Oh, I don't, you know, look at my phone after this time. Right. And I make sure I get this much of this vitamin. Well, there you go. You do that for a few weeks or or a month or two. It's a habit. Other things, obviously much bigger ones. I might have more than one or two videos talking about such as, um, nutrition and exercise, right? Which are kind of the, the big bears in the room and, and many others. I might have more than one or two videos on, um, where I'm like, all right, well, I've implemented this and I'm eating very healthily this way, but I don't get enough of this nutrient. And here's the breakdown. You know, maybe I explain how all the nutrients work. I'm not exactly sure that's the format I'm going to go for. I'm probably going to start with that format. We'll see if I go with it long term. I'm thinking my first video, what I'll say instead of the, um, it'll, it'll be somewhat of a different one where I will just be like, hey, I kind of get the, uh, the, the like two minute, three minute spiel I gave when I just started my mastermind where I explained, Hey, here are my goals. Here's how I see I can kill a few birds with one stone. I can become accountable, work on improvement, et cetera. Um, just be kind of upfront and say, this is how I plan to do it. And then tell, um, my, the audience, this is what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start researching this, this coming week. and then that is the first video next video i talk about the research i learned and then i start on executing it and researching the next thing so my first one will be half intro and then half talking about or maybe two-thirds intro and then a third talking about the next thing i'm going to learn and why probably not just i'm just going to learn this and then video ends um uh, you know, there, there has to be reasons for all of this, right? There's not a point in learning something if there, you know, you don't gain anything from it. So obviously I'll outline that, but to me, that's probably what I'm going to start with. That kind of keeps things moving and keeps things streamlined is the way that method works that, and I'll be heavily clickbaiting everything. So that'll be fun, but yeah, no, that's, that's what I think. I haven't done a ton of research into it. Honestly, that was more just all in my own head. Um, I haven't really seen anyone else do that method. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, could be either, but we'll find out, you know, there's nothing that's saying, you know, Oh no, I've done this kind of methodology for videos for two months. Now I have to do it forever. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I audible. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I, I think it's definitely, especially worth trying out like new and different things and just being like very open to it. Like, I'm going to do this with the idea, like, maybe it'll succeed. There's a decent chance it'll fail. And if it doesn't work after, you know, one or two tries, you know, how much are you really out for it if you don't think it's worth doing anymore? Exactly. It's, it's the whole, like, I don't, thankfully, YouTube, unlike, you know, businesses 50 or 100 years ago, I don't have to. And the only investment I'm losing really is time. Sure, I spent like some money on like this equipment or whatever, but like not a ton. 
and all I'm really out is time. Well, I was already out the time doing other random crap that wasn't really benefiting me anyways. So, so to me, I, I'm actually not really losing the time. I was already losing. Uh, well, I am. I was already losing the time. So I don't really stand to do any negative. So I'm going to just try, you know, a, a bunch of different things. If I stumble upon something that works really well, try it. But maybe I stumble upon something that works and I stick with it. But I realize eh, this is pretty limited growth, though. So it might be worth stepping outside that, you know, to try three different new things to even to have the first two fail. And then people be like, why don't you just do what what worked? But maybe the fourth or fifth thing really works and it works better than the first thing I tried. Right. I think there's the, to what you said, there's just a ton of benefit to, to, to trying new things. And it's inside and out of content creation and social media, just in terms of life in general. I think having, you know learning and thinking and trying new and different things you can learn about things you you know enjoy that you might not have i never thought i would have liked rock climbing and then i tried it and i was like oh this is pretty cool this is pretty fun you know and you never would know that unless you actually went out and tried it oh philosophical life lessons with fears that's a, that's my first video really i just sit down and talk about talk about that that'd be funny but the one thing I would say, oh, sorry, Leanna, were you going to jump in there? I, all I said was do it. Yeah, the, the one thing I, was, I would say is like thinking about it from the end user perspective, it might make more sense. So instead of instead of having a video where you're talking about what you did last week and then having a having in that same video your research in terms of a new topic and what you're going to be doing next week, what if you split that up into two separate videos? Because like and the way you you presented it, unless you wanted to be unique and that's your goal, the way you presented it is definitely unique. But I, I've seen a lot of people do it like in the way that I've prescribed uh, now in terms of like. I've, I've tried X for seven days or I've tried X for 30 days and then also having a video about just research. That is also a very common thing as well. So like in that case, if a end user was like to Google something or if you wanted to make something clickbaity or just a video in general, because it's more focused on that individual thing, either as the week long experimentation or as a research, then you can center it around that versus if you're doing it the way you presented earlier, the issue would be how you would uh, have that like as far as growth wise or communication because it would be overloaded in the sense that you'll have you what you've done last week and then also research on an, an entirely different thing at the end no it's definitely true and it's, that's my main negative to this to, to this method um i don't i don't know I, I would like to put them into one video what i might do that's kind of a balance of both is instead of like I would mainly put, I'd make a video 95% on the one topic and then just give the, the, you know, the person a reason to come back a week from then and say, Hey, I started next week. I'm going to do this. And then basically not necessarily go over it. Just basically have a video on one topic, whether, you know, say it's one video, I do the research and I say, all right, this next, this coming week, I'm going to put that research into execution. And then the next video is 95% talking about the execution, how it went. Um, maybe I did some more research and found some more out and how I'm planning to turn it, turning it into a habit. And then the very last little bit is, all right, you know, the fall next week, I'm going to do, I'm going to start this coming week. I'm going to start the research on this. 
and that's it. That's like basically how I end the video is just 10 seconds talking about the next thing or whatever. That might make it so that it's really more focused on one thing, but also segues into, hey, there's a reason that when you see my video next and recommended, like you know what it's about and you want to click on it. Yeah. Actually, well, I think that also. Oh, you can go ahead. I, I think that actually goes really well too as a like call to action at the end of your video. Being able to say at the end of the day, like if you really, you, this is what I've been thinking about. This is what I'll probably talk about next week. If you enjoyed, follow so you don't miss that video. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've I've actually noticed with TikToks videos where I have just, just saying like and follow just in text, no like like sound or anything. I I've seen more follows from those. Yeah. Just having it written down helps. That's one thing I also want to figure out a lot too, because I plan on using TikTok and YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels and a lot of short form content um, to to get people to my uh, YouTube. Um, I I'm going to try my best that I can to perfect parlaying people over from one platform to another because that can be quite difficult, right? Especially with TikTok, right? At least YouTube Shorts, you're already on the platform. You can click their name and boom, you're on their normal channel. Right. Unless you have a separate shorts channel, of course, but from Instagram reels or from TikTok, you've got to, you know, either get people to literally search your name, pull up the YouTube app, leave TikTok and search your name. Very difficult. Or to click on your, your profile, go to your profile and click on the link in the bio. Right. Um, so I, I really want to experiment with like the click through rates on those and, and try to figure out how to like funnel people best from those um, inward. And uh, that's very interesting for me because it's always been, I know everybody talks about the difficulty. And so to me, since I'm competitive, I want to see like what, what works best there. And who knows if I spend a year doing it and find some ways that work really well, we can make a video on it. It's another thing I've, you know, I will have improved that and figured out. The one yeah. thing I was I was gonna add was if you are gonna spend the time to to do the research anyways, you might as well have a video for the research. But if you want to make it one video, instead of having the research for your next week in that video when you had the ex like the what you like experimenting with the thing from the research of the last video, why don't you just put the research and the video on like related to the related topic together? Does that like does that make sense? Like, let's say you were gonna research uh, how much water you should drink, and then you research that the um, you know uh, uh, January first, and then uh, by January seventh you've done a week of it. So the video you release on January 9th, which would be the Monday, let's say, or let's say January seventh. I don't know why I said the ninth. You would essentially have the research in it and your experiment experience in that one video, all related to the same topic. And then you can also allude to what your next week is going to be, and that way you can have the con consistent theme. And because if you're going to research, you might as well like take away the value, unless you feel like it makes more sense to not do that. No, I I agree with you. The more I think about it, the more it makes sense to put them into one video or separate them into two, but not like two separate videos dedicated, one dedicated to research, one execution and not sharing them between two different topics. I think in theory, I like the way that works, but in practice, it's not going to work as well with the, the viewership because just people will be confused. The way 
I think if I, well, basically if I was a full-time YouTuber at the time to do daily videos, I think that could work in a daily format because it's almost more, it's not necessarily vlogs, but it, it's so close together. It can feel like they're flowing together. Tomorrow I'm going to research this. And then today I did this, right? Heck, people basically do that in vlogs regardless of if it's self-improvement based or not. Um, but in a weekly or bi-weekly, that's not going to work as well. So I think I'd probably just keep the videos very much focused on their one thing. Yeah. The one, one last thing I'd, I'd throw in is if you're going to go down this route, I definitely recommend you check out Matt Diavella because he's definitely the big fish in this pond of like doing a 30 day experimentation. Like I'm pretty sure he's the biggest guy that does this. Uh, he actually ended up doing it for a year. So every month, for for a year he would do like a 30 day challenge and then he would make a, a video of it and they they did surprisingly well like they're in the millions of views so uh, each or at least one million each oh i've seen this guy i've seen this guy's thumbnails yeah he's definitely <laughs> like he's definitely big but yeah no, it's been a while since i've seen him but yeah i've seen i've seen some of his stuff before interesting all of his thumbnails have the same color scheme basically all of them Huh. That's very interesting. Gosh, so excited to experiment in this. Finally, my stuff got here. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, data data is fun to work with. At least collecting the data is annoying, but then once you have it, like working with it is the fun part. All right, Uzair, I think I think you're up next. Yeah. So my my side is pretty exciting. So just to recap to anyone that isn't fully aware. Um, I did mention at the start, essentially my business initially was a consultancy, but now I'm transitioning into helping people start a career in esports. Um, and I've had some good success on the freelance side. And also I've gotten four different job opportunities. I failed to close for various reasons. But the last one I, I didn't close was an offer that I actually declined. So um, because I wanted to work on this business. So like I, I'm fairly confident in my ability to perform. It's just a matter of figuring out how this would look in practice as far as a service because it's very foreign to the eSport industry. Although there are competitors on, on like different avenues, there's no one doing, in, doing it in the way that I want to do. So what I'm currently working on right now, and, and the group already knows this, is that I'm writing a book that is set to launch on October 20th uh, I'm not going to announce the name here just because of the way Amazon works. It's a bit weird, but essentially it's going to be telling everyone what I know about getting a job in esports. And it's it's a really, really good book. I'm actually super excited for it to come out. I'm pretty proud about the content that's within it. It's honestly coming out much better than I even initially thought it would kind of come out. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm currently focusing on. Uh, from there, I'm also going to be joining an accelerator program, which is super cool to have the opportunity. Um, I, I don't think anyone in this group actually knows about that just yet. But basically in like downtown Toronto, uh, York University, which has the Schulich School of Business, which is like Canada's number one business school, which is super cool. Uh, they're running a joint program with two other companies. Uh, and I believe it's a like, government funded. It's a completely free thing where you join and then you know you have about a month they do like they have mentors and they have what's really cool about it is two elements one they have investment preparation so if you're looking to get investors they do like continuous uh, preparation with you and i'm pretty sure they have relationships that they're bringing in while you're doing this preparation so 
there is a possibility of assuming my services can kind of come along and I obviously reap the benefits off of the mentorship and the other um, coursework that they're going to provide. I would like there's a chance that I might have some investor investor appeal uh, within there. If not, I'm, I'll obviously be prepared in order to get investors um, if I so choose to do that. What's also cool is that after the completion of that program, you have the opportunity to complete a mini MBA, which would be at the Schulich School of Business. And then, um, although it's not going to help me to actually run a business, to actually have a mini MBA for free, like which usually costs around ten, twelve thousand dollars, um, would be pretty awesome. So that is what I'm going to be joining for. I believe it starts on October 11th and it ends in November 11th. From there, my thought process is I'm. I was actually thinking of jumping right into hiring the contractors that I'm going to be doing because right now Esports How has a blog as an asset, and I'm getting. Um, like tens of thousands of views per month on that blog and it's generating me a, like a fair bit of income right now i have some other income sources that are generating me money in conjunction to that so i'm able to hire contractors and it makes the most sense at this point forward to double down on the stuff i'm doing right because i'm clearly doing some stuff right on the blog side so i was thinking possibly starting that up right after the book is done but i'm realizing is that i'm definitely burning out like i'm i'm clocking in so many hours that i might want to just after like i'm the book is out and i'm kind of within the accelerator program that i might spend a month just like purely doing a bunch of research a bunch of reading a bunch of learning about you know the direction i want to go like kind of like a yearly reflection and, and i was thinking about just possibly doing like maybe once a month every year having that kind of month where i just spend learning and researching and i know some other other people do stuff similar like i know steve jobs has something he does quarterly and there's a few other people in the book deep work he was talking about how they would take time out and, and i'm kind of in the position where i can do that once the book is out because i don't have any major commitments obviously i'd be working to some degree but it would be a very low end sort of work uh besides that the book uh currently is like 120 percent of my focus right now is just getting this thing out and be, although it's coming out really well, I'm at like 200,000 words and I want to cut it down by half. And I haven't even started the editing. I still have like, I still have two more days of writing that I want to do. So that'll be like Monday, Tuesday of this coming week. I need to still write. And then from there, I have all this editing to do as far as grammatical issues, spelling issues, and cutting out at least half of the content. Um, so there's still so much. And not to mention the graphic design stuff. Um, all the graphics within there, the formatting, the layout, the marketing, <laughs> there's so much to do and not enough time. But I, like at this point, the deadline is kind of set. I can't really move it. So October 20th is coming out. Also, speaking of cover, we have talked about uh, getting the cover done in our last mastermind. And I was mentioning I was, uh, how I was having trouble finding a contractor and I probably should have started looking earlier. Thankfully, I found this one guy who he had like six projects lined up um but he was willing to take me up on it and he's gonna do his best to get it done by the deadline regardless of the quality i won't really have that flexibility there he will ho hopefully have it done five days before the launch date so we if we need to make any adjustments then i can and also there's processing time of like two to three days so i'll have that flexibility of at least you know not having to worry about processing it on the 18th and being like oh we're one day late um, so that's, that's going well. And I'm also, so that's going to be pixel artist. And I'm also thinking of getting a sketch artist, uh, for some images within the book that I was kind of thinking about, cause I, I have the money 
um, in order to get that done. And I think it would enhance the reader experience. And that's kind of always been the goal is to make sure that it's a good book that readers enjoy, which is essentially why I have to cut down the book by half because no one's going to enjoy a 200,000 word book. I mean, some people would enjoy it, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but not if it's not optimized, right? Like, like if it's if it's long, if there's a lot of fluff where there didn't need to be, then you know, like that that was the one sad thing about the book is that the book initially was going to be documenting my story uh, as a framework, right? So I wanted to go through my four years that I was trying to get a job, the stuff I did right, the stuff I did wrong, my interactions with HSEL, my interaction with Lazarus Esports, the a number of volunteer opportunities I had. The first time I became a content esport content expert for a nonprofit organization, how that went, my four businesses. Like I wanted to go through all this information. It was going to be super exciting and super, you know, I, I thought it would just be amazing content for someone going through the process. It's just that when I went through actually reading through some what, I've, what I was writing, although it was great, I felt like the other more specific information was more valuable and people would take the story as like fluff just to cover pages, which could be an argument to be made. So unfortunate, but like you got to think about the end user. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, for your complete story, you know, the longer you go on and the more following and recognition you have, the more um, the more value something like your complete story actually has and the more people will actually want something that is that complete story. Right. True. So. Right now, you can kind of focus on what the initial, the original intention was for it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right now, my biggest struggle getting the book done in time, and I don't think I'll get everything I want to get done in time. And uh, like, so with that, I'll do as much as I can to get it done. And like, the content's there now, so like, I'm not worried about getting the book written out. It's just having it to the quality that I kind of want. But that's the nice thing about deadlines too, and that I've realized that I didn't have for my other projects that didn't close by a timely manner is that deadlines will at least push you to get something done and you won't be stuck on getting something perfectly done because it just will never be perfect in the time frame. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can argue basically nothing can ever be perfect. Fair enough. Except the Lord of the Rings movies, of course. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, but from there, the actual business model of how I'm going to get people into a career and like the systems I'm going to be building there, that's all in the air. That's all up in the air. And that's all stuff I need to think about, which is probably why I'll take that month out just researching. I have a number of books I want to read through, but then figuring that out because right now I'm like completely lost. Like, th thankfully, the stuff that I already have pretty much sustains what I, my living expenses plus more. And within the next few months, it should sustain, like if I was to move out, for example, and live somewhere pricier, like I would still have enough money to sustain. So like financially, I'm actually doing surprisingly well considering I don't really have a business. So I'm pretty happy about that. And it makes me even more excited. So once I do have my main uh, infrastructure set up, it's going to be something that I can, you know, make a ton of and not worry about like if things didn't work out because I have all this financial resources that are backing me up as far as advertising money, um, affiliate money, some of the money I'm getting from focus blocks. So, you know, it all really adds up really positively for me right now. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking really, really good. And once this book is out as well, that'll also have a source of revenue within it as well. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited for next, for the next year and where this goes. 
yeah, that's a that's a pretty good deal you've worked out. Um, but to to get to that, like, how long have you been working on your blog and everything though? Now, yeah. So the blog started, I believe it was January of 2020. Um, so it's been about two years nearly. But like, I never worked on it. Um, never worked on it professionally, or I guess as if it was meant to make any money or that I was serious about turning it into a business. It only became a business when I turned into a consultancy, when I had people reaching out. And this one individual was like, asked me, like she kept asking me that she wanted to pay me uh, to, and she wanted me to do some work for her specifically. So that turned it into a consultancy. But I've never at one point that set down like a time and like it was my full time thing, just writing out content. But what's going to be nice is with the contractors that I'm going to hire, like they're going to be being paid per month by per article, essentially. And we'll have a quota for them. And I'll probably hire maybe two, three people. I'll have to build the systems to make it like make sense. But I'll make them write a few blog posts each and it'd be about $50 uh, a pop. So like it's not going to be bad for me. And I, I can afford, you know, I, I would say like in the double digits uh, of articles, not maybe not more than 20, like. Um, I, I'm not doing the math in my head, but it's somewhere around there. So I can get a ton of them done if I wanted to. I'd probably also invest some time myself, but my biggest focus moving forward is going to be building out the infrastructure for the actual business model. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this all ends up and how how exactly are you planning to publish the book? Book is, book is going to be published by KDP, so the Kindle Direct Publisher, and it's going to be a paperback. I'm going to get it as a hard copy as well, which is going to be a little more expensive to actually set up, but I'm going to get that, and then the Kindle version as well. And then hopefully around December, January, I'll have an audio version that'll be made out as well. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, that, that one I'm actually excited for just considering the mark. So there's there's a few things with the book that I'm going to be doing that's kind of unique. Uh, one is going to be that because I, it's a book, um, for one, I'm getting on a few podcasts that I wouldn't have had access to earlier, which is nice. Um, but also I'm hoping to get into conversations with some university or post-secondary institutions, which might be a little hard because I'm purpose or not purposely, but I'm intentionally handicapping myself where I'm, I'm kind of denigrating uh, post-secondary in terms of what you should be doing within it like I'm, i have an argument of why gpa doesn't matter and like the stats show gpas just don't matter for most industries it, like if you're in healthcare or law then it like it does matter but for the most part like hiring managers state that it just don't it doesn't matter and once you do graduate and get your entry-level job it, it's almost like a zero percent chance that it matters so like those kind of things won't hurt me in conversations with um, post-secondary institutions, but that's something I'm going to be trying to push for as well and getting into some classrooms and sharing some of the information there. And the book will act as a funnel system. And another thing that's going to be unique is that I'm going to set up, and this is something a mentor of mine told me that he's been doing and having a lot of success with, is that I have upsell within the book. So you pay, you pay for the book, the book is going to be relatively cheap. But uh, if you want like a toolkit with some of the stuff that would help you in terms of executing some of the items within the book, you can pay like 30 to $50. Um, I don't know what the pricing will be just yet, but it'll have like a bunch of different resources that you can leverage that I've already made. You don't need to pay for it. Like the content in the book itself is sufficient. But if you wanted additional resources, that is something that is there. And like like I said, he's doing that as well. He His thing is like he's pricing it at like $100, um, but his book is targeted 
in computer science. Um, and it's for people that already have jobs and stuff. So a lot more uh, financially um, able to pay for it, more expensive stuff. And I, I don't think the stuff I'll be providing is worth to that degree. It might be. I'll, I'm still building up a lot of that stuff. But that's going to be interesting to see how that all kind of pans out as well. Yeah, I think some things like the like the value of your work are is like really hard to determine until you've already like done it. Like you almost have to assume at the very start that you're going to be undervaluing yourself until you have enough time to actually figure it out. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you're just going to have to figure it out and find out what others are doing. And in your case, there really aren't that many people doing what you're doing. But mm -hmm. that can also mean that you can you know, you can really set your price. You're not going to raise your price by X amount and then be like, oh, nobody's buying this because somebody's buying the next thing, right? Yeah. People's When you're people's only choice, people often pay a premium for it. Yeah. The thing, I don't know if I mentioned this already in this call, or at least in the masterminds, is that for the actual services that I'll be providing come like the following year, well, I'm going to make it so like the pricing is probably null so it's like zero dollars the the objective with it and it follows the principles in the newer book a uh, hundred million dollar offer is the principle is that the offer is so good that you'll be dumb to decline it like you feel dumb saying no to the offer where if they're paying zero dollars up front like there's no investment on their end on that like it's so dumb to deny it if you want a job in esport industry from there, though, if you get a job, when, when you do get success, then you pay and it would be something acute to like a hiring agency that would get a part of your salary. And the nice thing is I'll, I'll also have connections. So then the relationships, if anyone wants to get hired, and I might even work directly with a hiring agency to figure this out. Again, there's so much up in the air. But then that way I can make like, you know, $15,000 off of one person and they're paying zero upfront. And I'll have systems in place, so I'm making a bit of money off of affiliates and partnerships and stuff like that. And I'll make sure like they're all vetted. But then essentially, I'll be making a ton of money off of each individual that do succeed. And I can, you know, and like there's low, low, basically no investment on their front. So like it makes so much sense in execution and it can make a ton of money because of the way it's structured in the low risk, high reward way for both parties. Thoris reward is always the best. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I got on my end. I'm so like bottleneck focused on this book that I don't really have time to even worry about anything else. The contractor stuff is going to be interesting after this book is launched and hiring people. Um, because besides the contract, besides my own subcontracting, I haven't actually contracted people directly for the company. So getting through that legal work and also just training people is going to be an interesting new challenge. Yeah, best of luck with that. Um, one interesting thing, which is a callback to something mentioned during my section, uh, not trying to hijack, but I, I was I looked up um, Matt Diavella, and it turns out he's hiring a content for content creator, Ooh. which is very interesting. Like not a video editor. I've never seen someone hire for a content creator position for full time. That's very interesting to me. It's very strange. I mean, when someone's hey. as big as him, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I guess, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I got on my end. Um, unless anyone else has anything to add, I think we can call this a wrap.
Yeah, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, this was this was a, a great first episode. We had a lot of great things that we discussed. Obviously, this we took up some time by explaining our background. Um, so uh, the next episode, besides the fourth person, Victor, that will be joining us, um, like besides his introduction, it will be a lot more in depth stuff as well that we'll be talking about. But yeah, that that was that was a great wrap, guys. Uh, I'll see you guys in the next two weeks. Yeah, I'll well, see you later. See ya.